We are going to be in a number of places in Scripture this morning, but we're going to start in John chapter 19. If you want to turn there, that'd be great. If you have a pew Bible, it's page 906 is where we're going to start today. Easter week or or Holy Week, maybe for some of you, I know it was for me this year, seemed seemed a long time in in happening. It starts with with uh, Wednesday, this maybe is trivia for you, but Wednesday is typically called um, Spy Wednesday. Wednesday would have been the day, historically, that, that Jesus, or Judas, would have been contacted by the teachers and the high priests and the Pharisees, would have been contacted by them to, to betray Jesus. And so Wednesday in Christendom is called is called Spy Wednesday. And then you come to Thursday in Holy Week, and that's Monday, Thursday, about the new mandate that Jesus gave to his disciples in the upper room during the time of the Last Supper. And many of you were with us on Thursday night here at the church for our Monday, Thursday service, where we talked specifically about those things. And then Friday, obviously we come to Friday, Good Friday, the day where Jesus actually hangs on the cross and dies. And that's where we come to John chapter 19. I want us just to read a portion right here in John chapter 19, starting in verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. At that point, in that place, at that time, Jesus dies. And Jesus is dead. And I think as we go through Easter week, Holy Week, we, we come to Thursday, we come to Friday, and then we take Saturday off, and then we celebrate on Sunday, and we set up Easter lilies around the sanctuary, and we have, we have all these special things, we wear new clothes, and, we, and, and it's a special day, and it is. But I think sometimes we skip over Jesus on Friday night, on Saturday, Jesus is dead. They take his dead body off of the cross on Friday afternoon. They wrap it. They put spices on it. They take it to a tomb. And they lay it on the cold slab. And they seal it up with a stone. And Jesus is dead. And the disciples began to get worked up. They began to hide in a room. They locked themselves in there. And they probably spend Saturday in despair. Jesus, their leader, their teacher, their rabbi, their Lord, they have called him in this week right before, is gone. He's dead. His heart no longer pumps. His lungs no longer breathe. His body is dead. There's no 
mostly dead about what happens on Friday. There's no kind of dead. There's no almost dead. There's no coma. Jesus is dead. In fact, some of, of those that want to criticize or critique the resurrection, there, there's lots of different theories. One of the theories is the swoon theory. And the swoon theory goes like this. Jesus hung on the cross and he became mostly dead, almost dead, almost in a coma, though his heart was still pumping. Nobody could really tell. And so they took him off of the cross, and he was still alive, but people thought he was dead. And so they wrapped him up, and they took him to the tomb, and they laid him in the tomb, and they sealed it up. And the cool, damp darkness of the tomb began to revive his body, and he came alive on his own because his body just needed a little bit of rest time there. And somehow the stone was rolled away, and he came out alive. But he never really had died. It's one of the critiques of the resurrection. And there's lots of reasons why that probably is not true. Well, it absolutely is not true. Not probably, it's absolutely not true. Lots of reasons why it's absolutely not true. One of those reasons, the one that stands out the most to me, is that, is that Jesus is hung on the cross by Roman soldiers, who not only did they hang Jesus that day, they hung two other men, and this was not just the first time they'd done it. This was something they had done often. They were well practiced at it. They were, they were paid professional executioners. This wasn't the first time they hung a man on the cross. It wasn't the first time that they watched a man die. In fact, if you read through the, the crucifixion story, you know that they come around, the guards come around, and, and they break the legs of the thieves that are hanging on the cross because when their legs are broken, they can no longer push themselves up to take breath and so they end up suffocating to death on the cross. They come to Jesus, and they don't break his legs. Why? Because he's dead. It's over. It's done. They do stab a spear in his side and cut him open, and blood and water flow out of his side, but he's dead, and they know it. Jesus is dead. There's no swooning. There's no almost dead. There's no his heart was faintly pounding. He was dead. They put him in a tomb. He didn't unroll the grave clothes on his own after being beaten and crucified. He didn't push the stone out of the way and leave on his own. He wasn't almost dead. He was dead. And in fact, because of the practices of the day, his unembalmed body three days later, would have even begun to decay. His disciples were trying to figure out how to move on. The religious leaders were counting their blessings. Judas has already, in regret and remorse, given up his life. And Jesus was dead. That is Saturday of Holy Week. And I think too often we skip over that part. Jesus died on the cross. He was raised from the dead on Sunday. It's a party. It's a celebration. Let's be happy. But there wasn't happiness on Saturday. So why does that matter to us? Why why on Easter Sunday? Today isn't Saturday. Today's Sunday. Today's the day with the lilies. Today's the day with the new clothes. Today's the day for the party. Why are we talking about that today? I want to give you two reasons this morning, real quickly, about why Jesus' death, why his dead body on the cross, why that matters to us, why it's significant to us. First reason. Why Jesus' death 
is super significant for us. It matters to us because that very thing is our dilemma as well. We are dead. Now physically, we're not dead. Everyone in here, I think, is breathing. Your heart is pumping. Your lungs are working. Your body is alive. We know we know life. We aren't dead. We know life today. But I can tell you this. We sense and feel and know death in our bodies right now in this place. We're experiencing death every day. Our bodies more and more, longer and longer, are breaking down and dying every minute. Right here today, right back here on my back, I am stiff and sore from riding my bike yesterday. My 40-year-old body doesn't recover like it used to. I feel, I feel the breakdown of my body right here today. And you feel it too. Things don't work like they used to. Things don't work like they should. I don't feel the way that I'm supposed to. Our bodies are breaking down. By God's grace, we know life, but we are experiencing death physically. But it's more than just a physical death that we feel today. Spiritually, we have a death as well. Spiritually, by God's grace, we know some righteousness. We know some perfection, we know some hope, but we experience sin every day. When we live our lives for our own glory, when we do anything, any action, any thought, any, anything that happens in our life, any attitude that we have in our life, anything in our life that is not for God's glory, that is rather for ours or our own glory or even someone else's glory but not God's glory, anything like that is sin. Anything that we do not to God's glory is sin. And so we're experiencing that every day. We see it all around us. In fact, Paul, this is going to be on the screen, Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3, he says it this way, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carried out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We are dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked. We no death. Jesus' death matters to us because that's our dilemma too. We're dead and we know that we have no hope. We know despair. We know the brokenness. We know death. We know it. And when we come to the end of our time here on earth, we know it. I was struck just a few weeks ago, a month or so ago, Hugo Chavez passed away, dictator of Venezuela. And I don't know if you read this or not, his final words, supposedly his final words, were these. I don't want to die. Please don't let me die. 
When we come to the end, when we come to the end, we know death. It's all around us. Why does it matter to us that Jesus was dead, dead, dead on that Saturday? That his body, his heart wasn't barely pumping and his lungs weren't barely breathing? Why does it matter to us that Jesus was totally and completely, not almost, but completely dead? Because that's us. That's our dilemma. We are dead. His death matters to us, though, as well. Because Jesus was dead, and then he wasn't. Jesus was dead, and then he wasn't. Hugo Chavez is dead. That's the end. Jesus was dead, dead, dead. And then he wasn't. Let me read for you a portion, that a quote of something I read this week. This man says, Death conquers everything. It gets us, and it doesn't let go. Death is permanent and unalterable. But Jesus altered it. And Jesus conquered it. He went from profoundly dead to magnificently alive. Without death, Easter celebrates a comeback, not a miracle. Without a realization of Jesus' death, Easter celebrates the unexpected rather than the impossible. Without a real death, there isn't a real resurrection. Without a real resurrection, there isn't a real point in being a Christian. There's no hope. There's no future. There's no perfect new creation. So Jesus' death matters. It cannot be underplayed, and it can scarcely be overplayed. He spent three days breathless, brain dead, heartbeatless, and decaying. And then, and then he was alive. And yes, he died for our sins to give us life. To give us life after death, like him. Jesus' death matters to us because... Jesus was dead, and then he wasn't dead. Jesus was dead, 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 and then he was alive. That matters to us. So how does that matter to us? How does that apply to us? What is the implication of that for us this morning? To tell you that, I want to look at a different story in John. I want you to turn back in your Bibles a little bit to John chapter 11. In your pew Bible, that would be page 897. This is how it applies to us. This is where it gets personal for us, I think. In John chapter 11, this is, this is a week before Jesus dies. Okay, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to the end of his life. He's almost there. He's headed back there right now. And we come to John chapter 11. Jesus has some friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They're close friends of his. And Lazarus is sick. So Mary and Martha, they, they decide they need Jesus to come and to help their brother, to heal him, to help him to feel better. And so they send a messenger to get Jesus, who's two days away. And so this messenger races to get Jesus so that he can come and help Lazarus, his friend. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus gets the message that Lazarus is sick and about to die... The Bible tells us that Jesus hears that message, and so he delays two days. 
He hears the message, Lazarus is sick, he's going to die, he needs you to come right away. And the Bible tells us specifically, Jesus hears that message and then decides to wait two more days. After those two days, Jesus makes his two-day trek to Bethany to where Mary and Martha and Lazarus live. And that's where we come here to chapter 11 in John we're going to start here in about verse 17, John chapter 11, verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Jesus comes into Bethany. Now he's intentionally waited two days and he says, I'm waiting two days because I want you to see the glory of God, he says to his disciples. And so he waits two extra days. Gets to town. Lazarus is dead. He's been in the tomb for four days. And Martha comes to him and she says, Jesus, if you would have come my brother would still be alive. Martha says, Jesus, if I don't know what you were doing, Jesus. I don't know what you were doing there, but I sent a messenger for you. I called you to come because I knew that you could help my brother Lazarus. I knew that you could heal him. I knew, in fact, you were his only hope. I called you to come, and if you would have come, he would still be alive. That is exactly us. Often, maybe all the time. I think we often say, God, were you not paying attention to me? Did you not see what was about to happen? Did you not understand that if it didn't happen this way, this would be the result? Were you not watching over what was going to happen here, God? We say that like Martha all the time. If you would have gotten here, if you would have done it the way that I had it planned, if you would have done what I asked you to do, we would not be in this predicament. We would not have this dilemma. That's what Martha says to Jesus. She says, Jesus, if you would have come, Lord, if you would have come, my brother would not have died. And Jesus replies to her in verse 23. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. So Martha now has come to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you would have gotten here, if you just would have listened to my messenger and come right away, Lazarus would have been fine. He would have lived. And Jesus says, your brother's going to rise again. And Martha's response, I love this. Martha's response is, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. He says to her, she says, if you would have come, he'd still be alive. He says, he's going to rise again. And she says, I know that already, Jesus. I know that at the last day, they're going to be raised again. I know that there's hope in the future. That doesn't help me right now. That's what Martha's saying. I know that already. Sometimes that's how we come to Easter Day. We're celebrating Jesus rose from the grave. That has great implications for us. He has conquered death. He has conquered sin. And we come here today and our attitude is, I know that already. 
I've heard it before. I've been to an Easter service before. I know that truth. I know Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the grave. I know the tomb was empty. I know that already. But today, today I have pain. Today I feel the sting of death. Today I have no hope. Today I have despair. I understand the truth. I understand the truth, but in reality it's dead to me today. The truth is dead for me today. That's what Martha's saying. Jesus says, your, your brother, he's going he's to be, he's he's be resurrected. And she says, Jesus, I know that. I already know it. It doesn't help me today. It doesn't help me where I'm at right now. My brother's dead. He's in the tomb. He's been there for four days. I understand that. That, that doesn't help me. And then look at Jesus' response in verse 25. I am, Jesus says, the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he says this. Look at this. He says, do you, Martha, believe this? Martha's saying, "Ah, Jesus, I know that already. And Jesus says, look at me in the eyes, Martha. Pay attention to this, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus says. Do you believe what I'm saying? Do you believe that I really do have power over death and power over sin? I am the resurrection and the life. This matters to us today. Because we know and understand and see and sense and feel all of the time that our dilemma, our very dilemma, is death. We know that our spirits and our souls, they need to be changed. They need to be made new. They need to be revived. We know that already. Scripture makes it so clear. I want you to see a couple of these scriptures this morning in Ephesians. Again, we saw this in chapter 2, verse 8. This will be on the screen, a little bit longer passage says this, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and once you once walked. We just read that. And then it goes on to say in verse 4, but, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved, and raised up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages we might He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace we have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. He also says this same truth to us in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says it this way, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Jesus turns to Martha. She says, I know that already, Jesus. I know he's going to be made alive again on the last day. And he says, no, Martha, look at me. Pay attention to this. I am the resurrection and the life. 
It's more than just the last day. He's saying, I have power over death. Look at me. Do you believe this? He says to Martha. Do you believe it? If you turn the page in your Bible, we come to the climax of the story in John chapter 11. In verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb, the tomb that has Lazarus in it. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. He's been dead for four days. Do you hear it again? Martha still has that same attitude. He said, Martha, do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this, Martha? Look at me. And then he comes to the tomb and he says, all right, let's, let's remove the stone. Let's open it up. And she says, Jesus. He's been in there four days. It's going to stink. He's dead. She's almost exasperated with him. Jesus, you're not paying attention to me. You're not listening to me. And Jesus says to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see this? Hear it again? Jesus is the same again. Look me in the eyes, Martha. Didn't I? Are you not hearing what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection and the life. So in verse 41, they take away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people that are standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And now I want you to get this picture. The tombs in that time probably would have been a a small cave. And just inside the door on the left-hand side, there would be three kind of bunks, three bunks high on the left wall. And on the right wall, there probably would have been about three bunks there as well. And on the back wall, there would be two bunks, probably built into the cave. And bodies would be placed in that tomb, in that cave, until they had decayed to nothing but bones, and then they would have collected their bones and put them in another place in the tomb and left that spot for another body. And so there probably was other bodies inside of this tomb besides just Lazarus. They would have been in different different stages of decay. But there would have been one that was obviously just placed there. It would have been still wrapped in its bedclothes. And it would have been maybe set on one of the sides. Maybe it's on the back wall. But the people are gathered around. The stone has been removed. There's, there's a whole lot of people there now. They, they had mourners that had come from Jerusalem. You read that at the beginning. They were there to, with Martha and Mary. Jesus is there, so there's a crowd that's with him. He has 12 disciples that are with him. There's a crowd. And the tomb is opened. The stone is rolled away. And inside, wrapped in grave clothes, is Lazarus. And Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead, dead, dead. His heart is not pumping, his lungs are not breathing. His brain waves are not moving. In fact, 
In fact, one of the things I read this week that said even after just four days in the tomb, he was, he was not involved with the burial practices that they had. Four days in the tomb, he, his, his decay would have been such that you maybe wouldn't have even been able to look at his face and know that he was Lazarus. In four days, he's dead. He's dead, 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 just like us. In verse 43, in chapter 11 of John, it says this, When Jesus had said those things, He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Get the picture with me. All these people are gathered around. Stone has been rolled away. The bunks are on the side. There's two in the back. Lazarus is one of those. We don't know which one, but he's in one of them. We'll say he's in the back. Everybody's gathered around. They're right behind Jesus. They're looking inside. They smell the smell that's coming out of the tomb. Okay, you got that picture? And Jesus says in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And people look inside the tomb. And the grave clothes begin to move. His eyes pop open. And the dead man comes to life and wanders out the door. Breath comes to his lungs. Blood comes to his heart. His brain turns back on. And the dead, dead, dead man, totally dead, not almost dead, totally dead man, comes alive at the word of Christ. Why does that matter for us today? Why does the story of Lazarus matter for us today? We are Lazarus. We are dead in our sins. We are dead in our trespasses. We are dead. We know death today. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I have power over sin and death. And they didn't know it on that day. The disciples didn't know it on Saturday. But on Sunday, it's evident, Jesus was dead. And then he wasn't. Jesus was dead, and now he's alive. Jesus was dead, and now he has victory over sin and over death. We're dead in our sins and in our trespasses, but God, rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And this morning, we are Lazarus. Jesus' call that day was, Lazarus, come out of the grave. His call wasn't, Jesus Jesus didn't, didn't call Lazarus and say, Lazarus, come alive again. I know you're dead, but I just want you to be, that wasn't a call. Jesus' call was, Lazarus, you're dead, you're gone, you're in the grave, come out. Come out of the grave. Death to life. Lost to found. Blind to sight. Hell to heaven. That's the call. And the call for you this morning is the same as it was for Lazarus. Lazarus heard it this way. Lazarus, come out. The call for me, just as it was for Lazarus, a personal call. The call for me, Jason, 
come out. There's victory over sin. There's power over death. There's hope, not despair. Your dilemma has been solved. Your future is secure. Your hope is sure. Jason, come out of the grave. Leave death behind. Get unwrapped and move on with your new life. Why does Jesus' resurrection from the grave in John chapter 20 means so much to us? Because it verifies for us the power and the promise that we find in chapter 11. The story of Lazarus, that's where we find the promise. And the resurrection from the tomb for Jesus is a verification of that. Jesus' resurrection assures me of mine. Jesus' resurrection assures me of mine. It gives me hope. So I don't know how you come today. Maybe you, maybe you walk in this room and you're, you're more like Martha. You come in here and you see the lilies and you hear about Easter and you think about the tomb and you say, I know that already. It doesn't help me today. I've heard it, but I don't feel it today. That truth, that promise, that hope is dead to me today. Or maybe you come like Lazarus. Maybe, maybe today you have never, ever known that Christ provides victory over sin and death for you. You are dead right now, right this second, in your trespasses. And there is no hope for you except that God, rich in mercy, sent His Son for you. And you're not dead to the promise like Martha. You are dead, dead, dead. The call is the same. No matter how you come today, He calls you by name and He says, Jason, come out of the grave. Come out. If you're dead to the promise, wake up to it because it's true today for you. If you're dead in your sins and your trespasses, come out of the grave because it's true for you today. Jesus was dead and then He wasn't. And that resurrection assures me of mine. And it assures you of yours. There's hope for all of us, no matter how we come today. Because Jesus was dead. And then he wasn't. Matthew and the worship team are going to lead us in worship this morning. We're going to continue to sing, Will You Stand With Me Today? God, your call to us this morning is the same as what it was to Lazarus that day 2,000 years ago. Come out of the grave. I'm the resurrection and the life. I have power over death and I have it for you. Come out of the grave. God, that's the call that you have for us this morning. That's the power that you have promised to us this morning. And so we celebrate in that, we rejoice in that, and we claim it today. That you have come, that you have called us, that God, you have given us hope and life and a future. And so we leave here this morning rejoicing in that, celebrating in that, praising you, God, that but God, rich in mercy, sent Christ in a resurrection of the dead for me. God, help us to rejoice in that today. We pray this in your name. Amen.